Chancers, a Go Loud original podcast. Before we get going, this week we're talking about mind-altering experiences, particularly ayahuasca. And we just want to point out that the possession, sale, cultivation and consumption of ayahuasca is illegal in Ireland and experiences we relay during our conversations today are ours alone and do not reflect the views of the Go Loud Network. In this episode, we talk about ayahuasca in general and Anna and I will share our personal experiences of taking where it is not illegal. We want our listeners to stay safe always, put their mental health first and to consult doctors and medical experts for factual information. Do not be guided or swayed by anything we say in this episode. We are not experts. No, we are not. We are simply a pair of chances and rides, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Now, let's get on with the show. I'm Anna Clifford. And I'm Paddy Smith. And you're listening to Chancers. A podcast for those who feel like they are chancing their arms at life when others seem to have it all worked out. Each week we pick a topic for discussion, share our opinions, mishaps and misadventures. All with a dash of positivity and a smidge of self-deprecation. We'll also be joined by an expert each episode to help us Chancers of the world figure things out. This week we are talking mind-altering experiences. And I'll share with you my own tangles with ayahuasca blow by blow. I'm mine. And yours. I'm just the co-host, Anna, am I? <laughs> just me. <laughs> so our topic this week is ayahuasca. So myself and Anna actually did this together. We did. Yeah. To be exact, it's a psychoactive brew used both socially and ceremonially spiritual medicine among the indigenous people of the Amazon basin, according to our best friends at Wikipedia. It's a it's a medicine that comes from the Amazon. And isn't it amazing that Jeff Bezos can sponsor a whole rainforest? <laughs> like <laughs> and it can get delivered to you in like two days. I love it. Um no, so it's basically it's a it's a medicine made up of two plants. Brew them together. The Bani Stereopsis and the Psychotria Vindries. Good anyway, effort. Um, and it, taking it leads to an altered level of consciousness due to psychoactive substances and ingredients. And actually when, I, when the shaman that we were working with yeah. um, showed us the making of it in the Amazon, like it was stunning. Oh my God, stunning. stunning. They're like, it's rainforest and these women are like breaking down the leaves yeah. and they're, they're have taking a little sip of it and they're all singing. And I was, it's so beautiful it was to gorgeous. watch. And like, there's all this like stunning like music going on in the background. Yeah, they're all singing like, together. With, and I was like, why are we all working with, nine to fives at desks? Like, that is the job. That is stunning. God's work right there. It doesn't taste stunning though. No, it takes particularly, <laughs> particularly file. Kind of like if you um, ever were dared to drink like ashtray water. Yeah, like <laughs> dirt. It's like dirt. So there's a purging, isn't yeah. it? They say purging, the which fr- is like... Yeah. She's mindfulness, crystals. Vomiting from both ends. Well, um, I didn't shit myself. Did now. you shit yourself? No, I didn't. Did I? You would have known. <laughs> no, because no. it's like Mother Nature getting like rid of... If you're full of shit, they're getting rid of that well, for you. you hold know? on, let's go back. We have to, You have to do... A week before, you have to do this like in preparation. Yeah, you, do a cleanse. Yeah, you have to eat like vegan. You can't have any sexual intercourse. I don't no. know why. No, you um, And what else do you have to do? I think so it's like two, a week or two before, you're advised to yeah eat vegan meals, 
no sex. Obviously, that was kind of easy to stick by. (laughs) Easy for us. But I pretended. I was like, oh, what? Oh, my God. It's going to be so hard. I'm like, I have have sex every once every six months. Damn it. And no alcohol or drugs. So, like, you know, you're coming down for a very, like, spiritual retreat almost so it's like you're not going down for a session no. so that you're cleansing yourself beforehand so that that's to avoid the kind of purging like if people shit themselves or puke yeah um so maybe the people that did that in the retreat they didn't do it fully no. they didn't mm, stick to they the didn't rules. stick to rules like me and anna do yeah. brown nose hello <laughs> um but also it's a three-day retreat so you go down and like it's stunning like it's in this like stunning like like you're surrounded by like I don't know. I can't even explain it. Patty, I don't know where you were. <laughs> now, our friend advised us to do this and she first did it um, somewhere beautiful that was more Mediterranean vibes and um, with, yeah, gorgeous leaves. And we got a bit of a... Gorgeous leaves. We got, we got a bit of a... Ha- well, I felt it was like a haunted house, but maybe there was just different vibes we were picking up. Yeah, I was loving it. Paddy was just already, already... Elated. He's like, like stunning. I walked in. I walked in. Maybe my I was a bit more like suspicious. You were. You didn't. I I kept giving out on it. She wouldn't let herself go. Let yourself go, Anna. Yeah, we were with people as all we didn't know. So that was kind of I. I felt that a bit like I was a bit taken back by that. What what I found funny was like we didn't get an introduction. It was kind of like the ceremony starts and the ceremony's beautiful before you do some stretches. This is music. Yeah, beautiful for everyone else. I can't stretch, guys. Yeah. (laughs) So Patty's that was not beautiful. Just lying what? there. No, but an altar and he thanks Mother Nature and you, yeah. you say your thanks you. But like well, I found he never went around the group and just said, say your name. Like, what? tell us a bit about you. But no. like, it wasn't about to meet friends. You're going on your own journey. You're going on your own trip. <clears throat> um, but I was like, God, you know, I just thought it'd be like in school, first day of school. Like, hi, Anna, um, you have one brother. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a, a unique bunch of lost souls I'd say because I do think if you're doing yeah. this you're kind of yeah. looking for a bit of meaning to life do you know what I mean um, well I had just passed my dad had just passed away so I was quite grieving and I was going through a lot of stuff pre the circle I don't know if you know I won the circle guys but I was going <laughs> oh, through a, go I was going through a lot <laughs> I was going through a really tough time and I lost my dad so I was really in a bad place mentally I, and I was grieving and I couldn't handle the emotion so I heard that this can help you with that and help you release we were advised to write down intentions before you went. So what yeah. did you write down? Um, like, help me get better. <laughs> help me. Yeah. No, I, was just, I wanted to get rid of my grief and my anger towards the world. And I felt very heavy. Um, and I just wanted to let all that go. That's really good. Yeah. I put down, first of all, I remember writing my diary and I put down um, more, like, pr- practice more self-love for myself. And then I was really scared that we might have to read this out in front of people. So I just said, and more love for others, right? And I'm like, I couldn't actually love other people more if I tried. And I was like, why the fuck did I put that down? Uh, and then I put uh, uh, more focus to achieve my goals. Let's get into some let's facts. Get, let's get some facts. We don't have those two plants that they have in the tropical rainforest. We have daffodils. So what Celtic, what Celtic medicine do we have here that druids were using to be healers? Um, back in the day, bilberries or huckleberries? Huckleberry. Gen- <laughs> we just love you like that saying. Huckleberries. That. Um, for general health, um, burdock. I don't know what is burdock as a detoxifier. I know as a chipper burdock. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's the chip, Santa. <laughs> Um, but it was a detox. Fire. I actually heard the next one, nettles. I've heard that before. You know when you get. You've a... heard of nettles? Well, no, I have. No, but I meant like putting it on a sore. 
nettles to stop bleeding. Stop, yeah. I, I've, my, my That's parents an used old to tell me tale, put it on a sore and stuff or a sting or something. Yeah, maybe yeah, you know, there like, was something like my mum used to tell me to do. When I was, she's like, "Yes, Patrick, you just go over and play with the nettles." She, she just said, "Yeah." <laughs> um, mistletoe is another one for sexual vigor. That's probably where kissing yeah, with the mistletoe I was came from. That now. Also used in druid ceremonies in large amounts for its hallucinogenic effects. Mistletoe was one of the, the druids' most powerful drugs, and that's no wonder they hang it up then. And you're meant to kiss people under it. I just like tie that over yeah. my head over Christmas. I'm like, hello. <laughs> um, Dandelion to treat fever. Yeah, I never knew that. Um, like I knew, like I knew the others. <laughs> I'm like, never knew that one now. Um, willow for rheumatism in the dampness of the bog-infested lands. <laughs> that, that, is. that sounds like a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, gorgeous. And comfrey as a poultice for sprains, bruises and swellings. Um, but it is interesting, like more, nowadays, I find it really fascinating. And I, I've been reading loads about it, how psychedelics um, and medicine like there's like lots of research being seen the benefits of it and obviously like micro dosing like getting the right amount like with a guide with a, you know a professional mm. it can tell it can say to be like as people have said it's like getting nine years of therapy in in like a couple of hours oh micro dosing takes small amounts of hallucinogenics like, like mushrooms be like mushrooms, lsd yeah. mdma that's all been clinically tried and ayahuasca yeah. as well has started or DMT which is a part of ayahuasca. Apparently it's like opens up another part of your brain that you're not accessing fully to experience like kind of re- relive some trauma maybe yeah. but like then you're working through it. It kind of scares me though. I don't know if I could, I would do microdosing. I don't know why. Oh I'd love to do it. I just, I, it kind of scares <laughs> me. I'd be afraid that like I just would take too much or like I wouldn't be able to microdose something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it would be like prescribed to you. you I so, would have. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't have to... I'm there. I'm no, thinking you don't of, just like, decide which a, a bit. You're like, cup. there's a little bite. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm thinking like in a little measuring cup. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. no. So you get prescribed You get prescribed it, it okay. and told how much. Yeah. And it's to do with like they'll do, do it on your weight and your, you know your ability so that it's very uh, much like attuned to you it's not just like hey I'm there the with a average... measuring cup I'm like okay let me just see here <laughs> yeah and you'd be sitting there like oh I haven't felt and yeah let me have a bit more yeah <laughs> Yeah. No, I wasn't nervous actually. You were ready. I was ready. I was. I walked into that place and I was just ready to take it. You were ready to be here. Um, I nothing happened the first night for me though. Really, I Good sweat gosh. loads and cried. That was me purging, guys. <laughs> uh, I thought my my temperature was at like hundred and eighty at one point. I was like, well, no, I didn't check, but I felt like I was gonna burn. But um, I was the same. Yeah. I nothing really. Like I could feel like kind of warmth, but I was very aware of the situation. And I think like sometimes your body like actually his nose like just to protect yourself a bit you know what I mean like just mm. trying to get your bearings get your surroundings um, so still enjoying watching people and you know that's the thing, thing. But it was Anna like... was watching everybody you're meant to you're meant to like put an eye mask on and, and you're meant to put an eye mask on and then just like be into your own world yeah. Anna's there looking at everybody I love having a look like I just <laughs> the shaman's role is to guide you and protect mm. you and make sure you're safe and if you are a pure virgin getting sick he's there with you and you can see him walking around and checking on people and yeah. if yeah making sure everyone's safe and um, you stick to the room that you're in and if you need to use the toilet that's fine but you don't go off at all on no. your own you very much stick to your like your mat on the floor like and this is the first night when I was feeling stuff and like 
you do kind of get you got a little bit like kind of a happy buzz and I just like yeah. you wanted to talk to other people I could see my friend like off in another world across the room and she was stretching and I was like hey yeah but like you're like no this isn't a session this is like your own individual experience so I was completely different up. I didn't want anyone else around I was like I'm in my own space don't look at me I want to be I want to go you had your, your yeah. face mask over your eyes yeah literally <laughs> my face mask over my eyes guys I was ahead of the times so then the second night. Yeah, I was Billy Big Balls the second night because nothing really happened. And I was like, give me a bit more of that. Well, <laughs> well, well, well. Little L Patricia. <laughs> Little L Patricia went to another universe, honestly. Um, all I remember is like my head just expanded and then I was in the other universe and I went back to this tribe and it was like a dancing and singing tribe and they were telling me to dance and sing that we needed to heal one of our tribe to heal one of the tribe they were healing me I was part of the tribe guys um, and I was dancing and singing around the room like and like and like, he was and I, like, I seen him yeah. <laughs> he was like oh, oh, oh yeah and his body was moving loads I was like fair play apparently I was singing the whole song I like, I don't know any of the words but apparently I knew every word of the song and I was gone for hours but to me it felt like like five ten minutes but apparently I was gone for hours um, and then I came back down and all I can remember is feeling like a sense of calm and I felt powerful like they put me back together do you know what I mean like I was broken oh, so nice uh, uh, like the way the way they tell me the way they like heal people is they dance and sing in unison so if we do it together we have the power to heal people like that and then when I came back down I was just like I felt like just kind of fixed Anyway, do you know what I mean? Like, I got sick as well in, in that experience. So I got sick, like, three times in that experience. Um, and I was crying as well. Like, there wasn't... I wasn't just, like... There was a lot that happened. And, like, it's weird. Like, you, I remember it, but I don't remember it, if that makes sense. And mm. uh, there was a lot that happened. Like, I got sick. Like, I, I was crying. My, I just saw my dad. I saw my, my mum as well, because she's passed. Um, and I saw, like, snippets of my childhood that were, like, tough. And my anger, I was really angry with my dad, like really angry, and I didn't like that. So I think all that crying and like frustration um, while I was dancing and singing and like getting sick was just getting out of my body, do you know? Um, yeah, that's my trauma. <laughs> yeah, you do get told you go trip, you go pa- like into your past life. You don't, yeah. the shaman was saying you don't see into your future, you don't predict stuff like that. You go, it's to go back and heal and stuff fix, and go to yeah. back. So some people go back to being born. Yeah. Um, which would be a cool experience if you ever watched one born one of the pre- one, of the pe- <laughs> one of the people that we were with went back to when she was in a past life and she was in a car crash. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, it was I'm mad. Like, and, yeah, and the whole thing, like the shaman invites you up to take a sip of the medicine and you go back down and then he will invite you up again. But the whole thing takes, every night it's about eight hours, but it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, and it doesn't. The, the room feels so warm or kind of changes with your mood and there's the maddest like meditation and Hare Krishna music, but it just feels like such a safe yeah, Haven. really safe environment. So, like, my yeah. experience, like, I think it has something to do with my intentions. Um, yeah. But I just seen naked people the whole time. Like, that's why I was looking around the room, because every time I closed my eyes, it was just naked bodies <laughs> dancing in my face. And the most stunning, like, just, like, visual, like, kind of cartoony, multicolored people just dancing naked. And I was like, God, yeah, I do really love people. Like, <laughs> I was like, God, it's not really, what else is there? Like, that's why I'd open my eyes and I'd just watch people. And I just had this immense amount of love for everyone in the room. And I was like, everything's okay. And then I she couldn't yawning, stop yawning. Oh I was God. every single second. So before this, you know, when we went to do this, I was living in London. 
I was working non-stop I was working a part-time job I was working gigging every single night I was saying yes to any kind of you know f- freelance work as well like I never had a minute I was traveling every second week to Ireland to wherever to do gigs um so my life was exhausting and when I actually got a chance to lie down on the floor I was like oh, god isn't this nice and I you're not really meant to speak out loud because it's like it's everyone's room but I couldn't so I was like Oh my god! I was like, I'm wrecked. I would just keep saying, I'm wrecked, and like, apparently the shaman was saying to me afterwards, that was your purging, like purging, also yawning as a type of purging yeah. yourself. And I couldn't stop yawning <laughs> afterwards. People were like, are you t- are you a bit tired? I was like, I just actually knackered. I realised I'm absolutely knackered, and I was loving, and you're kind of so aware of every little minute movement in your body, your muscles, like you're just feeling like I felt like I could move my like baby finger in ways I've never moved it before. And I was just stretching. I was like, Jesus, oh my God, that's so nice to just get a minute to yourself. <laughs> and then I just, and then I close my eyes and just see all these naked people. And I was like, brilliant. I wonder if that represents anything. Well, I just yeah. like, when I was saying, find it funny that I wrote down, like, wanted first my, like, self, practice more self love, um, which I think obviously is like, even Irish people would find that difficult. And then I just jumped in, like, no, it's so embarrassed if people knew that I was, like, wanting something for myself. And <laughs> um, so, you know, like, you try and take these lessons. Like, I think also, like, I was very aware that I was had this kind of four day break and afterwards I had another string, a load of gigs. So I don't know if I did let myself go fully, mm. but I know it was amazing and I would love to go again and um, there was moments where I was also bawling crying like for stuff that happened to my family but it wouldn't it didn't feel sad it was just like so therapeutic and you were so aware of the tears fall like the singular tears falling onto your face and it felt like a different kind of like wet like it was mad and I was just like you're all right you're you're really aware of your body or something yeah and I was just like and it was just like crying but just like not, not in a sad way not in a way that I wanted it to end or anything I was just like oh wow yeah that's heavy and going through that and I did see parts of my childhood and and bits and I kept seeing my mum walk in the door and give everyone hugs and I was like Jesus isn't my mum's hugs amazing um, so yeah lots of stuff in it but yeah lots of mostly mostly naked people and I told the shaman that afterwards he was like really like he's like God no one's ever admitted that and he's like maybe because you don't really give a crap but like yeah, no one's admitted to just seeing naked people the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, we're all sitting like, around and, and they're like, Anna, now what's your experience like naked people? Yeah. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I was, he was like, maybe people have seen that and they're just too embarrassed. And I was like, well, what? Everyone's sharing their bits. And I was just like, amazing, beautiful naked people. Um, I was like, I'm so bad. I was like, Anna, there has to be more. Like, there isn't. That's all I saw. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It was terrible of me to be like, there has to be more. Um... But like yeah. he, what other people's experiences, like one guy was like, oh, uh, he came back. And this is why I was like, what the hell have I seen? <laughs> this guy was like, um, he's like a da. And he was like, um, yeah, he was like, yeah, that was powerful. Yeah, eight hour conversation with God. Eight hour conversation with God. He was like, it was Mother Nature at the start. And she said, go talk to your da. Go talk to your da. And he said, and I did. And it was God. And he said, relax, man. Relax. <laughs> I was like... What? And then someone else was like, yeah, um, so like Krishna pulled me up by the ponytail and showed me my purpose in life. And I was like, what? What? What did I get? Naked I know. I went back to a tribe and everything. You went back. Um, I don't know if it was like, they were like, you should start an OnlyFans. Like, <laughs> Look at her trying to pop that in. She's like, guys, should I start an OnlyFans? Email if you want me. <laughs> yeah, let's see if there's any interest in that. Um, <laughs> would, would I do it again? I don't think so. Like, it did, I loved that I did it and I got a lot from it, but it did terrify me. Like, honestly terrified me. I, I wasn't like, 
when I came back, I was like, thank God I'm back. Do you know what I mean? I actually thought I was going to die. Do you know? Like, and that's honest. Like, I, lo- I think it did really help me. And I do look at life differently now and like much lighter. But my God, I thought I was dead. Um, for the rainforest, 100%. Like, I think yeah. I meant to live there and just sing. And I can't sing, though. But but with naked people. <laughs> but yeah, I love anything like that. Honestly, like writing down intentions, like being with people, like sharing yeah. experiences, like having these kind of, you know, more yeah spiritual and mind-altering stuff because... Yeah, I'm always questioning stuff and there's more stuff I know I need to work through. Um, and I just think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful practice. So now we're on to our expert and we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Dr. Paul Litmatsky, who is the head of clinical psychedelic research at Monash University in Australia. Uh, Paul, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess like to start off, can you just tell us a bit more about yourself and the work you are currently doing? Sure. Yes, I have a background in neuroscience and uh, psychological science research with a focus uh, on psychedelics and along with a small number of colleagues uh, in Australia, have uh, assisted in getting the field up uh, on the back of a whole lot of wonderful work that's been conducted uh, around the world over the last 25 years. So I set up the first uh, clinical psychedelic lab in the country, and we have a number of clinical trials that are underway and related training programs and various other studies. Uh, So it's all very busy and exciting um amazing yeah really incredible um me and my paddy we were talking briefly in the episode about me and my paddy please um about our own um experience with ayahuasca but that's not something that you focus on with your trials it's more kind of psilocybin and ecstasy would i be correct yeah that's right so in our current trials we're using psilocybin the active ingredient in magic mushrooms and mdma which is Sometimes, but not always found in what they call ecstasy. Yeah. And can I ask you this, Paul? Like, is it legal in Australia? That's where you're calling No, um, these are prohibited substances, and we get uh, specific permits to import and use these in research trials. And, and uh, how do you get your funding for this? Yes, yeah, so I have a number of different sources of funding. Uh, one is an industry partner, and uh, another are a, a few philanthropists that have funded different parts of the work. Yeah, so really in a, in a fortunate position whereby we're able to do good, solid, rigorous and independent work at Monash University uh, with the funding that we've gotten to date. And yeah, I feel very, very grateful to, to the funders and the partners that, that we have on board. And also there are plenty of projects that are in the wings and under development that could uh, do with funding. So if you have any uh, Irish philanthropists out there or anybody else listening, uh, give me a call. <laughs> I'd love to be in the trials, to be honest. Um, I I am very interested in this kind of line of of testing. But for me, like, what are the benefits of psychedelics? Like, um, obviously, we've done ayahuasca. I have dabbled in magic mushrooms. Like, what are the benefits from a clinical perspective? Well, a lot of that answer is emerging still, but it seems to be the case, and, it, and I would say it's pretty early days with respect to the research data, um, but it seems to be the case that psychedelic drugs, and there are a few different varieties of psychedelic drugs, alongside psychotherapy, that's an important bit, um, can bring about unprecedented changes in people's lives. Uh, this is not across the board. It's not for everybody. Um, but what it seems to 
do is allow people to have unprecedented contact with the sources of uh, distress in their lives and also with their potential and seems to be able to uh, catalyze a whole set of changes in people's views and beliefs and perspectives and then also motivate people to change their behavior, which ultimately is what is required in order to see sustained changes in people's lives. And when I say behavior, I mean that in a very general sense, that, that, you know, the, the standard repertoires of thinking and feeling and relating and uh, acting in the world um, really need to be altered if you want to see long-term changes. And we have drugs in these trials that have a kind of half-life of activity that's in the order of a few hours. Really, there's very little active drug in your body a day later. And yet we're seeing clinical benefits that are lasting many uh, months, sometimes years. And, uh, and so really w- what's likely to be happening there is a set of acute experiences catalyze a, a, a psychotherapeutic process that can lead to behavior change in the long term. Okay. And I, we put this question out to our followers uh, just to kind of get an understanding of what they would like to hear. And one of the questions that came in was like, is there any side effects from a medical perspective taking these? Yeah. So the cl- it's worth just drawing a bit of a distinction between the different kinds of substances that tend to get lumped under the term psychedelic. So we have the classic psychedelics, which are uh, drugs like psilocybin in, in magic mushrooms and DMT and ayahuasca, um, mescaline, uh, etc. And then we have psychedelic-like compounds and their psychedelic qualities depend more on the way in which they are delivered and ingested than, than just the chemical activity per se. So you have substances like MDMA, um, iboga, uh, salvia, nora, divinorum, and, uh, and, and ketamine even that can be referred to as psychedelic. So the safety profiles and the, and the utility of these compounds are different. Uh, with respect to the safety of classic psychedelics, physiologically, they are pretty safe, uh, very safe uh, as compared to most other psychiatric med- uh, medicines. Really, there is a transient increase in uh, heart rate and blood pressure that many people uh, experience, but it's quite minor. And we do exclude people who have cardiac, cardiovascular abnormalities, but uh, in general, that's a very minor concern. Really, the main concern from a safety perspective with, with classic psychedelics is all about psychological risks. Uh, so they can produce dramatic uh, alterations in, in consciousness that can be very challenging. And it's not necessarily that we're trying to avoid all challenging experiences. Actually, on the contrary, the whole treatment approach of psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy is about increasing your contact with sources of distress and, and finding new ways to relate to that. But um, nonetheless, it's possible that uh, psychedelic drugs for some people and in the wrong kinds of contexts with inadequate support can produce um, a lot of fear, panic, and even the possibility of real trauma. So there are risks uh, for sure, and, and they need to be handled with care, uh, but physiologically rather inert. Wait, what's your goal for, I guess, the current studies? Do you want to make it legal? Like, I guess anything like in, in, in Ireland, the reason I think these stuff isn't legal, I mean, it was like we abuse them and we use them in the wrong sense. So people go out and they drink with them and they, yeah. when actually it should be done guided, like you said, with like a, like a, a doctor there, like, like microdosing you and that kind of thing. Is that the goal? Well, really, you know, I'm a 
uh, an empiricist. So I'm not trying what to drop that an agenda. Mean, that <laughs> so that means I, I'm, I'm a real scientist, I suppose, uh, true yeah, to the cause that's... of uh, what a scientist at base uh, ought to do is ask the world interesting questions and then really pay attention to the responses and so and report honestly on those responses. So I'm not really a part of a movement or driving an agenda. I'm not trying to legalize these drugs or, or do anything like that. I'm trying to um, develop and test uh, better ways of treating uh, mental illness and distress and, um, and learn from that process. We already know quite a lot about psychedelic-assisted therapies. I mean, they're, they're kind of old and new drugs in, in, in different ways. Um, so it's clear to me that there is a there there with respect to efficacy, but we really don't know the answer to some very fundamental questions. And, and the, what we think of as best practice is still, I think, a process that is forming and in its infancy. So I'm, I can see that there is enormous promise in psychedelic-assisted therapies in the treatment of mental illness, but really understanding how to do the, the process well and understanding who it's good for, understanding what the risks are and how to mitigate those, uh, those are my primary motivations. And then there are a whole set of other motivations uh, that most of us who are in this field are interested in uh, that are to do with understanding how psychedelic-assisted therapies work and more broadly understanding more about the human condition and what consciousness is and uh, how that relates to um, to the way people live their lives. Well, you said something like a treating mental illness there. Like um, the question came in, would you would you recommend taking it if you had bipolar or, or a condition like that or would you recommend staying away from it? The research evidence is still emerging around conditions like bipolar. And, and to date, the contemporary clinical trials have excluded people with uh, bipolar disorder. Um, but out of an abundance of caution, we don't necessarily have a whole lot of positive evidence to show that uh, bipolar is contraindicated. There is some evidence from the first wave of psychedelic psychiatry through the 50s and 60s that uh, people with schizophrenia tend to do worse after psychedelics. But, but also, it's worth saying that the way in which LSD was delivered in a clinical setting through the 50s and 60s was quite diverse and varied and some of the practices in those days uh, we would not do these days at all uh, so uh, you know the level of support we what provide were, what were they what were they in those days practices? well i mean you know it, there were plenty of studies where people were given no preparation whatsoever and just had lsd mainlined into them and really it's you know these are among the most personally profound and often challenging experiences of a person's life um, it really requires a good amount of preparation and support and integration thereafter. So the fact that we are developing and exploring a treatment that is not just a drug treatment, it's a drug and psychotherapeutic approach together, means that um, the safety and efficacy profile of this treatment depends not only on the drug and the dose, but on who's in the room and what they do uh, and, and how you've been supported through the process. So just to, uh, to go back to your question about, you know, various disorders or indications that are included or excluded, I suspect we'll be seeing bipolar disorder tested uh, in well-controlled clinical trials over the next few years. It usually works like this, that in the beginning of a treatment of a development phase, we are using an abundance of caution and excluding a whole lot of issues just to be safe. 
And we do that in our trials at Monash University as well, for good reason. But then over time, we need to extend out to see really what the what the boundaries are in reality on the safety. And it usually begins by doing a, a number of observational studies, like survey studies of people in the wild who are self-medicating, for example. And you know, we've already learned from a number of these survey studies that, for example, it's not good to mix lithium and psilocybin. <laughs> you know, so people are, are are discovering this the hard way. And so that's not one you'd want to test out in a clinical trial context. But we are learning also from some survey studies that people with bipolar report, and this is very early evidence, but there there is there are reports where people with bipolar say they do better if they're in their low phase and have uh, psilocybin, and they do worse if they're in their mania and have psilocybin. So okay. that, that's informative, and we'll structure our. There's likely to be some trials in the future where bipolar is tested directly, but at this point in time, it is it is generally excluded, along with uh, psychoses and schizophrenia issues that that look more like uh, uh, lability or um, increased uh, instability, like uh, personality disorders and BPD and the like. Those are generally excluded at this point. Just like on what you're talking about, I was wondering, like, how do you prepare for a session when the patient's experiences can be as unique as the patients themselves? Like, Yes. So we focus in the preparatory phase on a number of factors with the key one being around increasing trust. Psychedelic experiences are often very challenging and really the challenging elements of the psychedelic experience are not something we are t- attempting to avoid. Actually, the only thing we're wanting to avoid is avoidance itself. Um, and so what's referred to as the bad trip is really born out of avoidance. It's a, a set of challenging experiences and you want it to stop and you fight like hell. And, and as we all know, like from the nightmare scene, you know, the faster you run, the bigger that monster gets and the more your legs turn into rubber. Um, so what we try and do is set people up on a launch pad that gives them the best chance possible of trusting and letting go and being open. Uh, we don't know what each person's psychedelic experience is going to be like. They are incredibly varied, and we don't even know what the second dosing session is going to be like based on the first dosing session. They can be quite different too. Um, but what we do know is that if we increase the participants' ability to trust in their own mind, to trust in the drug, to trust in the support around them, in their therapists, uh, then we can um, increase the chance that people, while they might have challenging experiences, uh, will have very productive experiences that they can kind of let go into. And, and that's fundamentally it. But there's a whole piece around you know, educating people about uh, what psychedelic experiences entail and tools for navigating them uh, around just all the kind of standard psychotherapeutic processes, getting to know people and building up an alliance. And then there's a ton of practicalities because it's a research trial. So there are all kinds of practical things that people need to uh, wrap their head around or consent to. It's really interesting that you say people have different experiences because obviously me and Anna, are this episode about ayahuasca, we went together and we had very different experiences. And <laughs> uh, like I went, like I went on, I felt like I was going to the universe and went back to a tribe and was like dancing and singing. And I felt like they put me back together and like I came back very like, like powerful and like kind of felt like I was put back together by this tribe I was a part of. And Anna just kept seeing naked people when she closed her eyes. <laughs> dancing honestly it was i loved it but yeah. like still trying to learn my lessons from that 
<laughs> Why did we have such varied experiences? Like, is there any reason behind mm. that? Yeah, so one way to think about that is what Stan Groff referred to as non-specific amplification. And that's, I think, one part of psychedelic experiences. That is that they amplify whatever is there. So if you're a, you know, if you had a little bit of a fight with your partner that morning and you got a little bit of tension remaining, then uh, that might be amplified. Or if you're a little bit concerned about the people around you, you might become paranoid. Or if you're feeling full of love and closeness, then you might just be in ecstasy. And and of course, we've all got our own stories and our own biographies and our own interests, and some of that gets amplified. There's also, I think, a specific amplification that happens, and that is borne out in the commonalities in people's reports. So, yeah, you and Anna maybe had pretty different content to your experiences, but I'd bet that there were elements, if we asked, if we put our surveys to you, our surveys that really get at psychedelic phenomenology, psychedelic experience, I bet you, you would line up in a number of ways as well. I don't know what that w- would be specifically in this case, but but yeah, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, portal into your own mind. Uh, and, and sometimes it can be, for some people, it can be just like, you know, silly or fun or lighthearted. Well, the way we set up the, the treatment is to increase the chance that people will go into the material that matters for their treatment. You know, there, there are ways in which we all try and distract ourselves or avoid, you know, the, the tough stuff. And that can look like just giggling and staring at the rainbows and moving your hands in front of your eyes. That can be fun. But if your intention is uh, to reduce your pathological repertoires or come out of distress or whatever, then really that is a distraction. And so part of the prep phase is around gearing people up with their intentionality toward the the sources of their pain. And so I suppose, I don't know what your ayahuasca context was like, but I, I, I don't suppose there was that kind of preparation necessarily. It's really interesting. I think like definitely people you know, it's, it's what you're, what you kind of have to work through, I think kind of comes up for people for sure. And like people were definitely afterwards discussing the the group we did with, like what lessons they were taking from their, what they were shown and stuff. And like you're saying, you know, when people say a bad trip that you're sitting in something that's really awful and you want to get out of it, but it's actually, if you sit there and you go through it, you'll get the most lessons. Like, so I don't know if mother nature was like you're grand Anna or she's like you're trying to distract yourself (laughs) me personally I know that like the pandemic happened very soon after and I worked through a lot of stuff afterwards on my own in my room so but yeah I find it fascinating and I guess out of your studies so far like would you say like it's mostly going well or like have you seen some negative sides of stuff yeah no it's going really well um We've got a great team of people and, and it's really all so well prepared and, and, and solid. But yeah, part of it going well is that, you know, we're dealing with vulnerable people who are having intense experiences. Uh, so the days are big and um, there's a lot to unpack and a lot of holding that needs to happen. Uh, but it's going very well uh, so far. You know, we, we won't know uh, the data from our trials for a while, so I can't really comment in general about, you know, what we're finding because we haven't looked at the data yet. And, um, you know, we, we, we are doing – one of our trials is, is placebo-controlled, so we don't even know what group uh, people are in, whether they're getting, a you know, psilocybin or an active placebo that we're giving them. It's a very exciting and privileged line of work. I feel very fortunate to be in this in this space because it's really um it's at the interface of people's darkest shadows and greatest potential, and uh, yeah. it's also at the frontier of 
our understanding of what it means to be human and what consciousness is and I definitely and I think if once it's done like you know like you said like correctly and safely and like yeah, yeah. We're, not telling, we're not telling everyone in this in this uh, episode to go out and do a load of mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> this is from a medical perspective like the benefits and also the worries behind it as well I think it's a, been a really really good chat um, um, thank you thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come chat with us about it yeah you're welcome great to great to speak with you all and um great to hear of this interest yes and 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 um echoing that statement patty it's absolutely the case that that this treatment approach and psychedelics uh, themselves are powerful substances that need to be afforded a lot of respect <laughs> um you know it's 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 courageous work of course you can have psychedelics in a recreational context to have a blast and have a lot of fun but it can be very uh confronting and people can really have a rough time of it and there's real potential for trauma here so a lot of people still unfortunately frame this up as a drug treatment which does a disservice to to a number of things including underestimating what it takes to to achieve the levels of safety and efficacy that have been achieved over the last 25 years. It's very easy to just look at the research evidence and go, oh, wow, look, psilocybin's safe, MDMA is safe, off we go, we should just roll this out en masse. Uh, but if you look under the hood and you see what it, what's gone into achieving that, uh, it's no uh, small thing. And so I would caution people to um, to be careful with these substances and um and Absolutely. a lot of support is required to get the most out of them and to be safe. Now we're on to our chanter of the week. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready for you. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready, Hon? Okay, so this week I'm choosing Lizzo oh. as my chancer of the week. I do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I do. So in her new song, Girls, she she did a, like a derogatory term for people who have cerebral palsy. Um, I think she said spaz. Um, and our condition would be, I can't pronounce the condition. It's spastic diplexia. <laughs> I just say cerebral palsy in my legs. Uh, but she also didn't realise that that was a like, I suppose, a, like a, a slur, an ableist yeah. slur against us. Um, and there was uproar on Twitter. There was uproar on all the social media platforms saying, like, they need to change this lyric. You know, it's offensive towards us. And whilst I guess that, like, it is offensive, and I'm all for, you know, an advocate for people with disabilities, like, I also do not like cancel culture. Um, and she listened, she changed the lyric, and she moved forward. Yeah. It? And she, she like she um she released a tweet expressing that she, you know she she understands slurs because she's a fat black woman and she knows what it feels like to have these slurs against her. She didn't mean any ha- any harm towards it. So I really hope that's where people leave it because you know she's listened, she's learned, and she's changed the lyric. And I just think cancel culture has gotten a bit much. Yeah. In this day and age, I think that we all need empathy because people are allowed to make mistakes. But she's still kind of my chance of the week in both good and bad ways because I like the way that she, obviously bad that she had that slur in the first place in 2022. She should be more aware. Come on, Lizzo. Come on, Mon. (laughs) But I do love the way that she um, recognised it and then changed the lyric. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's a big thing about cancel culture, isn't it? It's like people are 
continue to learn and we're all constantly making mistakes. So that is the best part like that you can just we just have to learn, that. love, and educate. Do you know what I mean? This learn, is, love, like, and educate. Come on. You hear me, on? Sorry, I've opened my own wellness center. <laughs> um, I did, yeah. Oh, my God. I was looking at seeing TikToks of that come up, and, I, and nobody was saying what the word was. And I was like, someone tell me what the fucking word is. Yeah. Because obviously no one wanted to say it, but I was like, hey, when I'm not getting given the gossip straight up. But, um, yeah. Good yeah, on it's, it. in, it's in the very first line um, of the song. Yeah. So it just says spaz. Which would be like a derogatory term for people. Yeah. Who are disabled. What did she change to? I don't know, actually. I don't <laughs> know. But she changed it. That's what I do now. No, I I well, when I listened to it on uh Spotify there, it still had the the term in it. So oh. she must go have on, changed get on, it. Go on, get on TikTok there, Pat. Yeah, I'm like, listen, Lizzo, you little bitch. <laughs> okay, my chance of the week this week is um Britney Spears' first husband. Did you hear about that? Michael Fa- M- Michael Federline. That's not the first one, is it? Kevin, Kevin Federline. <laughs> Michael Fassbender? Um, no, their first ever husband was Jason Alexander. They married uh, for three days and got annulled in Vegas. Do you not remember oh, that? Oh, yes. Campbell. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and he, <laughs> he's my chance of the week because he came in and gay crashed Britney's wedding recently last week. You're joking me. I know. No. I can't believe it. Like Britney, like she's like obviously a queen and everyone loves her, but like I'm so jealous. She's having exes gay crash her wedding and I can't even get a text back. Like No, <laughs> I know. I can't even get an ex. Like I'm not even <laughs> My exes aren't even exes anymore. It's how long they have been exes for. You know, there's a there's a sell by date when you yeah, can pay yeah, that. Yeah. You know when you like you you ask your friend, like, okay, is it okay if I like you know start dating someone you dated and like you're like yeah it was 10 years ago like (laughs) (laughs) you have to reuse recycle around here we're all about sustainable did she let him stay at the wedding no no he got kicked out and he got arrested for stalking oh Um, i actually think i saw this they got a they got a um a restraining order against him did they yeah um but he also like he when he arrived into her house where the wedding was he started live streaming so i was like that's a bit of a chance for me as well i don't know if was he looking oh my god looking for some followers maybe you know rack up the live streaming he just wants he's like please make me relevant again yeah (laughs) no but also like kind of off topic to that but did you see the iconic picture at britney's wedding madonna Drew Barrymore, Paris Hilton, Donatella Versace. I was like, I want to be Britney's choker. All the greats. All the greats. We should have been there, to be honest. Let's just superimpose. Oh my God, that we should just superimpose each other in it. And stick you, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I, obviously, I mean, we can't pick me as a chance. I honestly make me look bad every week. <laughs> <laughs> if you if we pick Britney, it's like okay, but like, that's a, mine's a very yeah. serious topic. <laughs> I kind of put you into a corner there, so I win. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening again this week to Chancers. If you want to share your experience with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email chancerspodcast at goloudnow.com. Make sure you follow me, Paddy Wise-Smith, and herself, Anna Cliff Comedy, for all the latest updates. Until next week, Chancers, stay stunning. Oh.